In the holy name of Jesus, amen. When you go to see a friend who is horribly depressed, the worst thing you can say to him is, cheer up. Believe me, if he could cheer up, he would. Folks that troubled need outside help. The texts since Easter Sunday have been just like that. They have been outside help. Mary Magdalene, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, the seven disciples on the seashore, and last week, the man on the mat at the pool of Bethesda. All of them only got better once Jesus went to work on them from outside, giving them eyes to see and ears to hear. Since Easter Sunday, Jesus has also been at work on all of you, too. So we have had a long run of sermons bidding you to embrace his gifts, to have a little imagination, to block the static and the noise, to rebel against the pain and uncertainty of regular life, to see deeply and to love deeply and to follow a very busy Jesus into your own very busy Christian lives. But we all get tired and sometimes we find that difficult and sometimes we even fail. So how is it that we can carry on in the glory and the love and the unity and the witnessing and the knowing all those wonderful things that Jesus speaks of in the gospel appointed for this day? Verse 20 is a very good start. In verse 20, Jesus is praying for you. Notice that he's not just praying for the apostles, he is praying for all of those who would come to faith through the apostolic witness. That's you. And so it is very comforting to know that on Monday, Thursday, when Jesus was going to face a very difficult death, he spent his time not thinking about himself, but thinking about and praying for all of you. That is a remarkable sign of his divine love for each and every one of you. You'll notice that as Jesus prays for you today, Jesus is asking his Father that three things would happen to each one of you. Jesus prays that you would each enter into his glory, enter into his unity, and then enter into his world. With that, Jesus is praying you into the Christian life. Steady yourself for the first one, because Jesus' first gift for all of you today is a painful one. When Jesus prays that you would enter into his glory, Jesus is praying that you would hang with him on his cross. It is on the cross, say the scriptures, that Jesus finds his greatest glory. And so the Christian life is often spoken of as the cruciform life, as you and I being bent and shaped into the sign of the cross over the course of our lives. You all know that Good Friday was a catastrophe. He came to his own, and his own received him not, John 1, 11. Worse yet, his cross was great joy for Satan and for sin, for every nasty thing, every evil thing, every hateful thing. Every idol and corruption and lie celebrated that day as they seized and bound and killed the Lord 
Good Friday was the great anti-Eucharist, the great anti-liturgy of sin. But Good Friday was also a grace. You remember from Lent that grace is not a feeling or an idea or even a thing. Grace is the presence of the person of Christ. And Christ was present on that cross willingly, in love for you, offering himself as a sacrifice for your sins, making all your wrongs right. And so on Good Friday, it turned out that Satan, the deceiver, was deceived and that death died. Romans 6 says that anyone who has been baptized has been baptized into Christ. And then it goes on to say, you were baptized into his cross, into his death, into his resurrection, and then the one in the gospel for today, into his glory. So to be baptized is to share in Christ's personal rebellion against everything that is nasty, everything that is evil, everything that is hateful, every idol and corruption and lie, to rebel against all the things that seized and bound him. And that is your lot too now that you've been baptized. So whenever you suffer, especially when you suffer for what is good, Remember that Christ is there suffering with you, that now Christ is hanging on your cross, so you are never alone and you are never unloved, and at the end of your suffering, and it does end, it always ends, there is resurrection. The second thing that Jesus prays for today is your unity. Jesus prays that you will all be one. Frankly, there are folks gathering in churches this morning all across this country and this world who aren't very good at being one. So how could that ever happen to us and to them? The answer is the same. It is outside help. Oneness only happens because Jesus does it to you. You cannot manufacture it. It is Jesus who makes you one. You remember that when Jesus hung dead on the cross on Good Friday, the soldiers pierced his side, and out of his side came water and blood. That water was your baptism, and that blood is your Eucharist. It is what makes you and sustains you as one, as the church. You are also individual. It's part of the reason you are also successful. You are all so different, and in America that is something to be proud of, our independence, our don't tread on me, our I am master of my own destiny, I am captain of my own ship, I will decide all things myself, I will listen to no man. So you all think differently, and you all vote differently, and even in church you all like different things, whether it's liturgy or not, or songs or the spoken word, whether it is chant or singing or candles, the Lord's Prayer sung, the Lord's Prayer spoken. You all like different things. And there is never any way that as a congregation on your own you will be one, one body, one church, one congregation, or as the scriptures say in Philippians 2, one common mind. It is impossible. You cannot do it yourselves. 
And I suppose that would be fine if we were just a voting, dues-paying club where the majority rules, but we're a church. And that sort of independence really doesn't answer Jesus' prayer. In fact, our thoroughgoing independence that puts self first is actually antichrist. So to his heavenly Father, Jesus prays today, I pray that you would make them, outside help, I pray that you would make them one. It's not an empty prayer. When Jesus finishes this prayer, which was prayed on Monday, Thursday, Jesus then gives them his holy supper. He gives them the means to actually be one. The scriptures are very clear. It is the holy supper that makes us one. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, Jesus puts the same body into all of us, and that makes us one body. Jesus nourishes us all with the same forgiveness of sins, and that makes us one church. It is his holy communion that makes us a community. It is his holy Eucharist that makes us thankful with one voice. And it is the Eucharist, then, that sends us into the world. That's the third thing that Jesus prays this morning. Once we have been saved by baptism and nourished by his supper made one, Jesus prays that we enter the world as his witnesses. Jesus prays us into the world so that people would see us but know him. It's a very difficult thing that they would see us but they would know him. How could that ever happen? The world will only see us, the world will only notice us if we are in some way noticeable, if we are in some way different, some way odd, some way strange. So how is it that all of you can be different as you go out of here today? It's actually fairly easy. The world is filled with haters. I know that's true because I saw it on Jersey Shore. The world is filled with haters. But that, you see, is why there is a crucifixion. After the crucifixion, after the baptism, after the Eucharist, after the church is made one, you can't be a hater anymore. At least you can't be a hater and still be part of the church. It's why we've been doing so much on Sunday morning in Bible study to talk about confession and forgiveness and then restitution. But all those things only after the anger and the bitterness and the resentment and the self-interest is wrung out of any sort of encounter. Because that's odd. That's noticeable. That's different. That is not the way the world does business. So if we do our business this way, from baptism and the Eucharist in the world, folks, in fact, will notice. And then they will say, I'm tired of the hating. I'm tired of being miserable. I'm tired of being alone. I'm very tired of being unloved. I'm tired of being so short on imagination, so tired of having eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear. Tired of living like I'm dead. Tired of missing the resurrection. Tired of life without baptism and the Eucharist. Tired of life without the presence of Christ. Tired of a life without grace. So may I please come with you 
to church, to Christ, to oneness, to glory, to blessing. May I please have the prayer of Christ and have a full Christian life. And when folks ask you that, then Jesus' own prayers are answered. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.